0: The Criterion Creeps podcast. I'm Jared Duncan. RJ Baylog, and we're just two guys who have no other choice now but to creep our way through the Criterion Collection one spine number at a time in order of release. This week, we're putting on black sunglasses, killing people in colorful fashion and whatnot as we go and look at spines number thirty-eight and thirty-nine in the Criterion Collection: Seijun Suzuki's Brandy to Kill* from 1967 and *Tokyo Drifter* from 1966. But first, RJ, how was dinner? Dinner, um, I didn't
1: actually eat dinner just now. I was kind of in a rush, so I got uh, like 300 grams of salami, and I just kind of piled that in—not yeah. the whole 300 grams, but the, <laughs> like like <laughs> half, probably like nine or 25 straight slices of salami. Ooh. I was running a little late, and I didn't want to hold up the show, so I was trying to be considerate for your needs and mm-hmm. for the show's needs, mm-hmm. and I, you know, frankly, I do just eat straight salami pretty regularly, so I mean, hence the a broken meal to toilet. me, hence <laughs> the broken toilet, yeah, which has yet to be identified still, so <laughs> the uh, the legend lives on. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Why, uh, why, did you have something good for dinner? Is uh, that why you bring it up?
0: no. No, just no. It just came to mind. Sorry to ask. No. I never ask.
1: Well, yeah, well you're an inconsiderate prick. I know. You never ask me how I'm doing. Mhm. Um no, yeah. Yeah. Hey Jared, you go to uh did you watch that Super Bowl?
0: I watched approximately, mm, I don't know, like 20 minutes of it. Oh, kind of like mm-hmm. the 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 last half of the second quarter. Um and I believe from there I messaged you and I just said Man, Tom Brady isn't very good at his job. Um, How wrong you were. <laughs> well, I've I've never seen like the Patriots play in my life. Um, I don't really follow football at all. The only reason I saw any of it was because I happened to be at a restaurant and it was on the screen. And I was just kind of following along and being like, yep, that's some football. And one team is doing a lot better than the other one. Oh, look, they just gave it up. Oh, that team just stole the ball and they just got another point. Man, this, this, this team's a joke. And I wrote it off. Um, I, I want to hire you out to, uh, be a, a sports
1: broadcaster, Yeah, but without, like, without you actually learning about the game, <laughs> just to do it the way you're doing it. Oh, well that team got a point. Huh, they seem to be doing pretty good. I don't really know what the
0: score is, but, uh, you know, there it is. Well, I, be mean, fun. I I was just laughing at things. Cause like, um, they, they kept like getting yardage. This is now getting into, uh, the Criterion po- football podcast, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Football fools, I don't know. Anyway, it's current events. Th- th- yeah, so they kept like, I don't know, getting um, yards because of these guys kept holding other play- like the the opponents, yes. and I thought that was so strange because like I watch uh, MMA. Where there are okay. also rules But they're never actually like No one's ever penalized for things that they're not supposed to do Like grabbing cages and stuff And mm-hmm. uh, it's just like I was like what That hardly seems like needed Like oh, one guy grabbed one guy Did that really make a difference in that And apparently in football they take it very seriously But in uh-huh. uh, the carny sports Like mixed martial arts People are just like yeah don't grab that cage sometimes Don't put your fingers in that guy's eye socket Don't kick that guy mm-hmm. in the dick And that happens all the time time and everyone goes sorry yep. sorry my bad um, but I guess the NFL mm-hmm. seems a, just a little bit more legitimate with the actual uh, following of rules well people
1: do take it pretty seriously as yeah. someone who's played and watched a lot
0: of stuff like
1: I I don't know as a player sometimes I'd be like come on like who gives a shit and then there is other time like when it happens to you you'd be like oh come on you're like you got to get called on that but like
2: I was holding I my know, arm be-
1: that like, guy was holding my arm it does make a difference I'll say that though it doesn't seem like it would but uh if you're running to go get something and some guys just holding on to your jersey uh or a split second up in the bigs when those guys are running the 40 in like two two and a half seconds mm-hmm. that's a a little bit of an exaggeration but I mean when <laughs> when those guys are that fast like even any second counts so holding d- does make a difference
0: Okay. Hey, uh, I got a question for you. I don't know if you know your uh, football history that much, but we were thinking about, uh, is there ever, like, any, like, bench-clearing brawls that happen in football? (laughs)
1: Um, I think there has been. Um, Uh, It doesn't happen too often, but uh, there's some teams that definitely got a little, uh, got some deep disputes going on for them. Uh, Yeah, I'd say that's probably it some beefs some hot beefs well actually uh i don't like the patriots because i'm a steelers fan okay. and uh for the the last like 15 years it seems like it always comes down to pittsburgh and new england to mm. go to the big show and uh, you know this last recently uh, new england's usually won those games so uh yeah. i'd say pittsburgh and new england's got good beef pittsburgh yeah. and uh, baltimore also has a good beef but it's because Baltimore's full of fucking convicts. Half their team have been like guys that have been in prison for like 15, 20 years. Like Ray Lewis, like fucking murdered somebody and he still plays it, or he still played in the NFL. So, uh,
0: what happened to That's the guy? A, what, what? What? Who? What to the guy who was like having the dogfights in his like fucking garage? Michael right? Vick. Yeah. What? What team did he play for?
1: Uh, Michael Vick. I believe he was in Atlanta. He after all that stuff, he ended up in uh, Philly.
0: Okay, so um, he, he rose
1: up. Also, Yeah. Uh, no, he, well, <laughs> see, that's a sticky issue because some people are pretty heated on that. Like, he served his time. He came out and he made his dues. Um, I feel like because it was dogfight. Uh, I don't know. He served his time, which is better than some of those other dudes. Like, remember that guy who uh, beat up his wife in that elevator, elevator? Yeah. And so, another hey, group. you know, didn't he play for Baltimore too?
0: I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I don't, no, I really know nothing about NFL. Like I have I will, a I have a passing like familiarity because uh, my uh, boss at the comic book store he likes him some football and he loves himself some Tom Brady and he loves to just expouse how uh, he is football Jesus and that's the only reason I know who Tom Brady is at all. Um, well, yeah, I I will say that's
1: probably pretty true. As much as I hate the fucking guy, yeah. he'll probably go down as the best ever. But the the point I guess the takeaway is Baltimore are all criminals, Pittsburgh's the best team, and uh, Tom Brady's good, I guess. But you know what's crazy? I brought this up to you earlier, but we were at a uh, local bar uh, watching the game, and the whole game everyone was cheering on Atlanta, you know, because they were winning,
2: mm-hmm. and everyone
1: was booing New England. Uh, and it's like, huh. These g-. And uh, my buddy that I was with, he was like one of the only – people cheering new england in the whole place like from the start and then it was really funny when in the fourth quarter when things shifted everybody else shifted too and they were then suddenly cheering new england and booing atlanta and i was like huh these people man these fucking, sheeple <laughs> these sheeple these band fairweather fans and the bandwiggins like that's like all the uh, seattle seahawk fans in our town like that's apparently one of the closest teams to us so it is uh, there yeah there was uh never any fans before they were actually good in the last five years and now yeah. every second person has a, a seahawks or the shithawks as uh, <laughs> we like to call them as a shithawks Hawks uh, emblem on the back of their truck <laughs> <sighs> anyways that's my football banter for uh the for criterion another, for, for uh, another
0: year
2: yeah
1: yeah, you'll hear more about it uh, next year when Pittsburgh plays the uh, the convicts, I guess.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: hmm
1: Yeah, and I, so, I, I uh, also heard uh, that you had some beer. I did. I got into a little trouble, actually. Um, <laughs> uh, I didn't do the tally, so I'm not trying to stroke my own uh, ego or puff up my chest or something, but apparently... At the end of the night, it was uh, told to me that I had drank seventeen beers in the course of the game. Um, I didn't, which was what,
0: four hours, five hours.
1: I uh, well, we got there at three. Okay. And the game didn't start till four thirty, and we left at nine. So I guess it was six hours. Six hours, okay. But that's a pretty a pretty solid clip. Um, I wasn't like I wasn't like crawling on the floor or anything. So I think that's something to be proud about. But uh, I think it was. It was very noticeable when I got home, and it wasn't exactly uh, welcomed, because I think I was uh, I was a little bit uh, um, inconsiderate and saying stupid stuff like "I'll show you my Super Bowl" and things like that. So, I mean, uh-huh. I get it. It was like Sunday night. Andrew was like tired. She wanted to go to bed, and I come home. I'm like, Bleh. so. But that doesn't happen too often. I think the takeaway here is that uh, I think I did pretty good. Yeah. I, I, I drank a lot of beers. I also ate a lot of chicken wings. Nice. So that I thought it was a, a great success, but I didn't win anything. Aww. The fuckers. They gave away like 90 prizes, and I didn't win a single one. <sighs> Anyways.
0: Nuts. Fun times. Fun times. Sports. Sports. So when not watching sports this past week, RJ, what have you managed to creep on? Ooh, I got some good creeps
1: for you this week, Jer. Okay. Some good creeps. Uh, these were the... Uh, Ones I mentioned before. But, breaking news, I watched Manchester by the Sea last night with Andrea. Yeah, you
2: snuck that in on (laughs) me.
1: Yeah, I did sneak that in on you. Um, You already talked about it, but uh, now that I've seen it, Mm -hmm. I can chime in. Uh, I thought it was great. Um, Casey Affleck's the man. He's the best at just playing Boston Sad. (laughs) Like, uh, go see Gone Baby Gone, where he's also Boston Sad in that one. Um, Yeah, Casey Affleck was wicked. Um, I like the story. Kyle Chandler was really good playing his brother. I thought that was pretty good casting mm-hmm. I like Chuck Kyle Chandler he's a good dude yeah he's nice um yeah the movie was really sad uh I classified it as one of the uh those man weepies uh you know that that brotherly love that father son kind of thing um mm-hmm. i uh I think I have a uh, disposition to like those ones uh, as I am a brother and I am a son um and I am your father so Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I fit in all those categories but the, no i really liked it i thought it was really sad uh, i liked the ending um i could see some people not liking the ending just because of i don't i don't know if it's like it's not the most uplifting but at the same time you feel like you feel like he kind of did the right thing mm-hmm. so okay yeah, yeah i think it would be hard to like i bet people could fall either way they could either think that he did the right thing or they'd be upset that maybe i don't want to give too much away but maybe it didn't didn't work out like a Disney film where everyone was happy. Right. You know what I mean? So uh, well, I, I, I thought
0: it was really good. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, I thought the use of music was awesome. It would go to, like, opera for, like, really long oh, periods, yeah, yeah. like yes. three minutes at a time. It was just uh, – it really – it uh, made a good atmosphere,
0: man, you know? Yes, yeah, I know it was good use get- – during the uh the big tr- the tramp the trauma tragedy stuff and oh yeah uh, yeah no it's uh it's good uh like yeah, I said I think like my, my only real complaint about it was like I I felt that it was like, like too long um but that's like I mean I wasn't like ever like oh my god this movie will never end it was more like I'm sitting in this theater seat and I kind of mm-hmm. want to leave but the movie's not over yet that that's the... I... More my problem, I, could, I think.
1: Yeah. I could see why that'd be a complaint. For me, uh, I was jacked. I was ready to go see that fucking thing. So uh, I had no issues with the time. So, mm-hmm. And uh, I also, as you said, you you don't think it might uh, have the best longevity. I know I'll rewatch it. Okay. But uh, I also rewatch things that no one else even thinks about anymore. So
0: what do I know? Mm-hmm. Am I right? Yeah. When are you going to watch that in the bedroom? Or, um, that movie doesn't exist well like just like uh, the movie finding Neverland which I had no idea had like been nominated for anything let alone what are you, a weirdo I didn't like I've never thought about that movie once since it came out and being like well at least that's at least that's a real movie and not
1: made <laughs> up like that in the bedroom thing
0: I don't know it could be one of those like fake movies I've been hearing about so much
1: yeah. fake movies fake news it's like you know that Bernstein bears thing
0: same thing. But we yeah. but we fell into the other universe now. We're in the other. Yeah, it's yeah. the darkest timeline <laughs> where President Trump exists. Uh-huh. It's the darkest
1: timeline, baby. Yep. Speaking of dark timelines, you know what else I watched this what? week? What did you watch? How how was that for a smooth transition, baby? <laughs> I rewatched the Alien franchise. Yeah. Whoa. Yes you have. And uh, I'll just clarify. Oh, shit. I didn't watch Prometheus. I, <laughs> I, I, that was my whole plan. I was going to watch Prometheus too. Oh, well, I'll, I'll talk about it anyways. That's fine. fine.
0: You, you watched the Quadrology. The
1: Quadrology, yeah. I didn't uh, include the uh, Alien vs. Predators. And uh, I meant to watch Prometheus, but whoops. Oh, well. So I watched one to four. Yep. And uh, one is the best. It's amazing. I think that that's a five out of five movie. Super. so good. It's so good still. It's got everything. Oh, I should mention too. For all of these, I have like a Blu-ray pack and they all offer like a special edition version of it. Like just one that's like longer or enhanced or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I watched the special edition for each one. Okay. So Alien, it's the best. Everyone's talked about it. Everyone knows. Aliens, also very good. I don't think it's as good as Alien or as the first one. Some people would disagree. I think it depends on... What kind of man you are.
0: Yeah, I think so. Like, I I don't know. I've always been kind of... Uh, I think Aliens is okay. It's totally watchable, and I like it. But I don't love it. never have. Um, yeah. I don't know if it's because, like, my... Uh, I don't know what it is. It's I was it's like the same way I feel about a lot of like these the the 80s action movies. Like right. I feel like they're like movies that I associate with my uh one cousin um mm. who like I like but he's like really like into military stuff. He's a cop now Ooh. and that's the stuff that he was really into and I kind of just like Played at like I liking this stuff, but I always like at the end of the day like comedies and mm-hmm. wrestling and horror stuff more than an action movie. Yeah. So I'm always like, I mean, that's just kind of like my personality at the end of the day. I mean, nowadays, I mean, I love me some John Woo uh, stuff, but uh, right. Aliens like it's just okay. I I, I think Paul Reiser's yeah. awesome. Um, mm-hmm. but and it's you got, know who's not awesome in that movie <laughs> I think as discussed Bill Paxton <laughs> Bill Paxton yeah sorry keep going um, but I don't know other than that like I, it's good um, but I mean I'll yep. never like I would never in a million years say that's better than Alien because I make Alien yep. is just an unimpeachable like horror sci-fi classic that's like got mm-hmm. really good characters it's got like um, I don't know every time I watch it it's a surprise because I don't ever really remember mm-hmm. it too too clearly when I watch it again so it always like takes me by surprise like all the uh, like attention to detail the production design is like Mm -hmm. ridiculous and then aliens is like the i don't know it's like the dumber fun relative to it and it's like it's good like it's a wicked it's a wicked movie but um at the end of the day it's like it's like it's not like my it's not even like what i consider like a really great movie that i watch all Mm -hmm. all the time it's just total (laughs) preference though
1: that's uh, that's exactly it. Like, uh, in another year or two, I'll probably rewatch Alien. I won't rewatch Aliens, though. Yeah. Not for like maybe five or 10. Like, it'll be a long time before I rewatch Aliens again. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like you said, it's good. But uh, especially that special edition, which had, I think, like 30 more minutes, it was really, for me, it was Dragon, man. Like, really Dragon at certain times. Um, yeah, there's
0: so many cuts of that movie, I feel. Like, I think there's like at least three. There, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: It's funny, too, because at the start of each one of those, the director came in and uh, each one of them, it was so weird. They were like, they're like, the director's cut is the one that you saw in theaters. This is just an enhanced version of it. Mm -hmm. There's like something, but they all said it. And I was like, oh, that's weird. It's almost as if they were told to say that. But uh, (laughs) did you ever hear that story about how James Cameron pitched aliens? I'm sure you have. Most people have. Probably, but go ahead. (laughs) He went into a room and Alien was written on a board. And then he put an <laughs> S at the end. And then he turned the S into a dollar sign. And they, they were just like, you got it, man. Go do whatever you feel like. When did he drop the mic? As soon as he put the dollar sign on. I think he just dropped the Sharpie or like the dry erase pen and just walked out of there. <laughs> and they just gave him a blank check. They said, go do whatever the fuck you feel like. That's right. All right. So now on to the important things. Everybody knows the first two are good. Yeah. Alien 3 or Alien Cube. Yep. as some people I like to call it cubed describe it cubed by uh, Mr. David Fincher yep. who has uh, also been in the news lately ooh foreshadowing um, so uh, I will say for three and four I've seen both of these movies but it's been like 10-15 years like really a long time okay. so uh, I, o- I only remembered like very like certain images from each of them that have just been like stuck with me for a while like uh, in Alien 3 there's the one where they're like Climbing up uh, these shelving things and the waters coming down and I always thought that was really spooky as a kid for some reason like watching it now It's like there's nothing spooky about it, but I don't know anyways alien 3. Uh, I think this movie is actually not that bad Mm -hmm. Uh, It's not great. It has some problems mostly one of the biggest things is like the CGI Um, It's pretty clunky. It's like early day CGI. I can get past that for this one the next one I can't because it's like really distracting. This one had some clunky CGI, but I, I thought it was used at least like sparingly. Like they don't show the alien or like the xenomorph that much. Yeah. It's usually just like darting across hallways. And they did have a real one that would bring in two. Right. Um, but what I really liked in this one was it's like so grimy and like mm-hmm. dirty. Yes. Um, I actually really like that it's a prison setting. I've heard yeah. people say they don't like that or well, they, I mean, like it's... they don't like that it's prison world yeah or whatever but i thought it was really cool i was like um i i don't know how or where else you would take it but i think that was a super good idea um i think uh one guy i follow on Letterbox. i think his review was like he wishes david fincher had made this movie uh later on in his career when he was like better at stuff which i agree with completely um okay but uh, I, I do, I, I will say this. I think Alien 3 is actually not that bad. It's really dirty. Um, I love the setting. I love the prison world. Uh, Sigourney Weaver is awesome, especially thrown into this, like, dirty prison with all these rapey dudes and stuff like that. <laughs> um, and it's like, it's a really nice kind of quiet, isolated story, which coming off of Aliens, I think is really good. Right. So um, I actually liked Alien Cubed.
0: I thought yeah. it was good. No, yeah, I, I, I am a Alien Cubed defender. Um, it actually reminds me of a like European graphic novel, like a heavy metal yeah. comic. Like it's yeah. just like the production value. And it's like it's, it's David Fincher, so the production design is like amazing. Um, and like really yeah. g- goes for it, and like it looks great like it's a very like when you think of movies like I think a, a good production design actually is something that sticks in your head like you can visually think yep. of a movie and go oh yeah it's this movie and Alien 3 mm-hmm. despite it's like detractors and its problems like as a story um, mm-hmm. it looks it looks really cool like it's yeah, um it does and it's like it's a fluffy story but I mean like mm-hmm. overall I mean the whole alien thing is like fairly fluffy I mean they're just it's just a person versus aliens and they're like mm-hmm. and there's nothing they can do against these unstoppable killing machines um, right. that's, that's the gimmick. And so you have to try to make as interesting mm-hmm. movie as possible with that idea. And you're using the same protagonist over and over again. So it's, yep. you do what you do. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it does an admirable job. I mean, it's not a all day, it's not an old banger classic or anything like that, but yeah, it's like way better than people would, uh, lead you to believe it being like it
1: was, well, that's, That's what I mean, like, uh, because I like I said, I saw these movies so long ago and I've heard about the reputation more than I even remembered the movie. And it's all all people talk about is how bad three and four are. And I was like, hmm, I was like, I wonder if that's actually the case. But for three, I actually like I said, I thought it was really good, man. And I think one problem a lot of people had was at the start. Um, spoilers I guess but like they kill off everyone else except for her and I thought that was fine man I thought it was a like it's a cool way to just it's it's a grim universe yeah like everyone dies yeah it's the whole movie is grim grimy dirty like and it's a perfect way to set that up where it's just like it's like hey you you like that Ripley character? Why don't we just take like a big dump on her? Kill everyone and throw her in this prison hole like Yeah. I I think I actually I think 3 is uh, pretty good, man. Pretty mm-hmm. good. Yeah. Um so that's my hot take on Alien cubed. Mm-hmm. And now as the reputation did not sell me on this or did not build this one up enough for me. Uh, Alien Resurrection, holy f- fuck, what a piece of shit. <laughs>
0: Oh my god, it what? is so bad. But but RJ, what about Brad Dourif?
1: Yeah, Brad Dourif is really good in it. Okay. And uh, Ron Perlman is there, who I also like a lot. But you know what really sucks about this movie? Uh, Joss Whedon doesn't know how to write movies, I think. Um, <laughs> I'm actually, I'm not like a Joss Whedon h- hater or anything like that. Okay. I don't really care. Uh, but this, this script is, like, the story's real goofy, man. And, like, I was thinking about it a lot. And I kind of like some of the ideas they did where it's like, okay, well, you have a company who actually has done it now. They're like breeding these aliens and they've cloned Ripley and they're trying to like make this mother race that they can control and stuff. And I think that's pretty good. But then there's other things like Ripley is an alien now and she's got superhuman or like super abilities, but only when it's convenient for the story. Um, Like slam dunk Ripley uh, in a scene where she's like a basketball superstar for some reason. (laughs) But then later when they're trying to, like, avoid the aliens, like, it doesn't matter. And it's also, like, it's inconsistent. Like, there were times where it seems like she's supportive of the aliens because she's, like, part alien now, kind of. And then other times where she's like, we got to kill them all. And it's like, I don't understand, like, the motivation for this character. It's back and forth. Hmm. The space pirates are silly. Yeah. The uh, Firefly prototypes. Um, because their motivation doesn't make sense either uh i don't know man it's the dialogue is super clunky Yeah, it's stuff where it's like it's like you won't you don't call me baby if you don't you don't got the butter it's like (laughs) stuff like that you're just like that doesn't make any sense like or just really corny stuff where ripley would be like don't get me mad i'm a badass b
0: and you're just like oh man (laughs) like they're really trying real hard yeah my uh friend Corey, he uh did the the rewatchable, the alien stuff a few months ago. And I remember like he, he re- really hated alien resurrection. Um, it's bad. And it like, well, cause his comment was like, cause he watched them all like fairly close together and how in like you watch alien and it's got like this amazing supporting cast, like all the right. characters in that, like Harry Dean Stanton, Yafit Kodo and stuff. They're all like, feel like real guys, like real mm-hmm. working class people. They talk like naturally that they're, they're like real believable. Yeah. Like, and it's like effortless. And then you come to alien resurrection and it's just like, so it's like bad nineties, these forest like characters and it's just like mm-hmm. bad script writing. Like it feels like you're like watching characters reading a bad screenplay and it's just yep. like nothing can get past that, unfortunately.
1: Yeah. The biggest thing I think is like, I always, you, what you said was absolutely right. Um, I always think like Doctor Who has a really big following and mm-hmm. I get it. But I've always tried watching it and like, I don't know if I was just watching the wrong stuff, but I've never really been able to get into it. And I feel like it's just like it's really marginalized, accessible sci fi that like anyone can just kind of jump into. And I thought that's what this was, where it's just like, you, you know, you know, beat for beat what's happening. It's like, well, here's your superhero character. Here's your evil scientist. Like, but it's also on a spaceship. Isn't that crazy? And the dad from Night at the Roxbury is there with the hairiest fucking shoulders I've ever <laughs> seen in my entire life. Oh my
0: god, it's weird. Oh man, have you, have you seen any of the director's other stuff? Uh, Juno, have you seen? Him, uh, like? I don't, I don't think so. Actually, so you never seen um, Amelie? Um, nope. Okay, I just, oh nope. you've been, definitely you haven't watched *Play City of Lost Children* and uh, *Delicatessen*. uh nope. I mean I, I I like all those other movies, and mm-hmm. I just think *Alien Resurrection* is like they got him in there because like they always have these like great visionary directors, and Geno yeah. you know, definitely fits into that. But it seems like a lot of that got was compromised. Like it's been years. I saw it like on opening night in, in the theater *Alien Resurrection*, yeah. and like I don't remember too much of it, but. I remember weird floaty Mm -hmm. stuff and people swimming through like water chemicals and stuff like that and it's like I can't imagine any of that looks good now Um,
1: Um, it doesn't the CGI is really bad oh I was going to say actually uh, at the end there's like an alien like a xenomorph hybrid that's like half human and I actually thought that was super cool Mm. I thought it looked really cool and like you felt really bad for it because they gave it eyes and it like sunken eyes it looks like a baby so you like feel bad for it and then it dies in the most horrible way And you're just like, oh, that's sad. Poor guy. Um, Yeah, poor guy. And see, like, that's what I mean. Like, I actually liked some of the ideas in this movie. It's just it's just a bad fucking movie i i have it in the set the four pack set i might i think i might just throw the blu-ray in the garbage just <laughs> have an empty space and everyone will be like where's this one i'll be like where it fucking belongs in the try in the trash yeah that the pack i have actually has like a really cool documentary about making all these movies too but uh, yeah. there's not enough time in the day for that
0: uh, apparently I, I remember being supposedly that's a really good uh, documentary too
1: well, I guess now would be the time, so if yeah. I don't talk about it next week, I'm probably never going to watch it. There you so. go. Uh, and then I have one last thing for you, Jared. Okay. One last thing, because uh, as you know, this is a movie podcast, but I like to tell people about the books I'm reading. Mm-hmm. So I finished Nosferatu by a uh, Nos
0: man Yeah,
1: it's read like a license plate by my man Joe Hill, yep. son of Stephen Hill, uh, as some people might know. No, nah, I'm just kidding. Uh, his last name's not Hill. Uh, so this
0: is Joe Hill's vampire book. Mm-hmm. Do you know what it's about? Vampires. And something about... I remember there was a comic book called, like, Welcome to Christmas right. Land. Yeah. yeah. That's it. Yeah. I, I, I didn't even read mm-hmm. the comics. I know it's like it's got a Nosferatu-looking yep. vampire or something in it. But.
1: So it's it's not a literal vampire, but it is basically Nosferatu. But the his big thing is he has this old uh, Rolls-Royce, and he drives kids in it, and the Rolls-Royce steals the kids' like uh, life basically, and then gives it to him and then he lives forever. Uh, and then so that is the, the main antagonist. And then you're introduced to this young girl who uh, when she needs to find stuff, she rides a bike basically through dreams and gets teleported to where the stuff is. So the whole idea is that there's this dreamscape that people can tap into certain people. So the protagonist is a young girl who can tap into the dreamscape, but she doesn't really know how to use it. And then the bad guy, the Nosferatu, Charlie Max, he knows how to use it, but he uses it basically to kill kids. And like for him, he doesn't think he kills them. He thinks he saves them from like bad mothers and like stuff like that. Like, it, like you know, like the logic of like someone who kills kids where it's just like, oh, I'm giving them a better life. Um, so that's what this book is about. and i'll I'll preface i'm a big joe hill fan i think heart-shaped box is the best shit ever same with lock and key this book is probably his weakest Mm. i think uh i i didn't i didn't really like it that much i really like the idea and like all the things he talks about and he's got some super cool images in it as well like he knows how to do like grotesque and like really fucked up stuff really good um i liked all that stuff in the story but the execution's not great And I think one of the biggest things for me is I I didn't think the characters were likable. Like the main character is this young girl and she's just like really shitty to her parents and like bails on them, which is like, yeah, I know that happens. And then the story is about like kind of her finding her redemption. She becomes like a reluctant mother and then she doesn't really want a kid, but she's got to like try to deal with it while she deals with like mental health issues and stuff like that. But I, I never really felt like it was earned like, she does heroic stuff at the end, but I don't feel like it was really earned. And then, like, there's a dad character who's, like, a really big, fat motorcycle guy, but he wears Iron Man t-shirts, and he talks about Firefly all the time. And when this book came out in, like, 2009, I think that might have been endearing. Mm-hmm. It might have been 2009. I don't know. But it was, like, seven or eight years ago. But now I'm just, like, really tired of that kind of stuff where it's, like, <sighs> I get it. It's, like, you're you a nerd. I get it. So... Anyways, I uh, I didn't I didn't like it that much. I really like the ideas and I like Joe Hill. His writing is it's just like Big Steve's like it's so easy to just fall into his writing and just the pages fly. I think he's a very casual writer. We're not casual in that sense, but it reads casually. You can just read it. Um, and I think it, it did get optioned as a movie or a TV series one time ago, so uh, I'm sure it will eventually be made into a movie, and then I'll I'll watch that, and I'll talk about that. But for my Joe Hills, it, it wasn't up there for me. It was
0: published April
1: 2013. Oh,
0: shit. That wasn't too long
2: ago
1: no.
0: then. And it was uh, optioned in... December of 2015 by AMC which they seem to be like to option Ah. stuff and then nothing comes of it and then nothing comes kind of like the terror
1: (laughs) yeah exactly um if they did something uh probably a movie would be best there's not that much story to it like it's a 600 page book but uh I would just do a movie unless or like maybe one season of a tv show like a 10 episode series maybe
0: at most at most that's all you need to do
1: yeah. But, uh, oh, I forgot to mention, uh, Joe Hill doesn't know what ecstasy is, the drug, Ooh, yeah, uh, because uh, his character was always taking ecstasy to, like, relax and settle down. And I was like, what? I was like, that's not what ecstasy does. Like, ecstasy gets you, like, fucking jacked up. You're, like, grinding your teeth, punching through walls and stuff.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so I find it weird that he didn't, like, Google the effects of ecstasy or just, you know, find a different drug, like, you know, like weed. <laughs> that makes more sense, but, anyways, I thought that was funny because I read that I was like, that's not what ecstasy is, and I was like, where does he get his info? What X is he taking? Yeah, what a that's geek. my question, Jer. Yeah, he is a geek. Oh man, you read this book and you're like, man, you're a nerd. But I guess we're all nerds, right? I guess so. Oh, anyways, just, yeah, that's my uh, that's my uh, my book roundup, my mm-hmm. uh, literature roundup for this week. And uh, I'll probably be back in uh, a couple weeks or by the end of the month with my next round. Okay. Because
0: I know you like hearing about it. Well, I'm just reading about uh, the the Terror TV show because it's been a while. Oh, no. Apparently it's supposed to like the Order 10 episodes and I think they've only announced like one person's been cast so far. Um, The Terror? Yeah. Uh, One of the Showrunners, my favorite word uh, Co-showrunner oh, yeah. is a guy named David Kasgenich. Uh He's mm-hmm. like big claims to fame As he wrote the movie Blood Creek, directed by Joel Schumacher, about a Nazi vampire, played by one Michael Fassbender And Ooh. uh what's his, name? what's his name? Dominic Purcell's in it mm. uh, Henry Cavill Oh right, Henry Cavill? Yeah Woo! And, uh, I remember actually
1: isn't like the producers of the tear I think they just uh, signed on to produce the
0: passage all the book the, you don't like well I, I don't like the idea of yeah belch um, no <laughs> <laughs> terror has got a bunch of like executive producers like Ridley Scott actually and uh, what? oh Jared Weird. Harris Jared Harris is oh look at this now we got a cast Jared Harris, Cyril Hines all the all the classic Englishmen are of, they of actually right
1: cast, or is that just rumors? Uh,
0: no, they're well. Apparently, they're associated with it. They're all set, set, uh, four episodes. Mm-hmm. Only four episodes now. I don't believe that. That can't. If they're like two-hour episodes, maybe. Yeah, I think it's gonna be ten
1: episodes when it's all done. That, that yeah. looks fucking enormous. It's you could big, have like a a ten
0: a ten one to one and a half hour episodes mm-hmm. for sure for that one. Oh, okay. Syrian Hines is uh John Frank is uh, Franklin. That's cool. Jared Harris is uh, Crozier. Crozier. Hmm. So he's the lead. I would have. When you said those names, I would have. uh,
1: Well, the the guy they're throwing. The
0: guy they're throwing out as the lead is uh, James FitzJames or James FitzJames. Yeah, who's like one of the other like. Not
1: Captain Crozier.
0: No. So James, uh, at least that's the one. The name they keep throwing. out, Tobias Menzies, whoever that actor is. Uh, I think that's oh it's oh god the show's got like that's um brutus from rome (laughs) so and Syrian hines was caesar well that's what
1: i mean when you said Syrian hines i thought he would have been captain crozier because like it's the book has a lot of characters but i think crozier's i would say is the main character
0: he is yeah i I think so because franklin spoilers he's not around that long because he's a giant corpulent man
1: (laughs) yeah i think it's only like i think it's a third of the book he goes down
0: well that's a pretty sweet cast Cool. Yeah, that's solid, man. I like all those guys. Dig it. Well, RJ, what have what, yes. what have I been creeping on? Well, yeah, RJ, what have you been creeping on? I learned how to read this week. What? Yeah. Don't lie to me. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh huh. So yeah, instead of just like watching movies into the wee hours, instead uh-huh. of like going to bed and feeling uh, well rested, like um, I yeah. actually started going to bed at a decent time. You Nerd, and because I'm like, well, all movies are like seem to be two hours long that I'd want to watch, or I just don't necessarily feel like popping in wild strawberries, uh, to wind down oh, the day. Oh, that movie rules. Uh, I, so I looked at my stacks of books and went, hey, maybe <laughs> I should try reading some of them. So I did read one, uh, called Hell by Yasutaka Sutsoi, Sutsoi, hmm. something like that. I've never heard of said book. Uh, no, it, it, it's like a random book I ordered on, um like ABE books or something used. I don't think it's ever been published in North America, but, uh, this guy, I came across cause, um, one of my favorite, uh, horror comic guys, Junji Ito. He yeah. mentioned him being like one of his favorite authors and I looked him up and one of the, uh, the first thing I ever read of this guy's was a collection that I highly recommend to people called Salmonilla Men on Planet Porno. It's, Ooh. it's just the title of, of this anthology of a bunch of really cool little short stories that I liked a mm-hmm. lot. And so hell, uh, is the first, uh, novel of his that I've read. He also wrote the, I think I'm, I'm not getting this wrong. He also wrote the book, um, Paprika, that the animated movie is based on. Um, I think I've heard of that. Yeah. I, hopefully I'm not getting that wrong with the name now that I'm thinking about it. I was like, is that who did it? I'm going to look yeah. it up. Anyway, so, yeah, it is him. Uh, he's okay. he's written a bunch of random stuff. He's really well-regarded uh, science fiction writer in Japan and a little bit of his stuff's been translated so Hell is one of the other ones I've read uh it's a pretty simple little story about uh what happens when you go to when you die and uh Ooh. some people go to Hell which is just our world and you just continue to live and you kind of hop through your life from the when you were a child to when you're old and it's all kind of simultaneous. Um, it's a pretty basic book. I don't know if uh, I'd recommend it to anybody necessarily. Um, right. It was, a, it was an easy read. It was a good, like, smooth introduction back to, like, reading a book. Uh, yeah. it's, like, 190 pages, but it's, like, I don't know, maybe... Mm. <laughs> 100 words per page. So I just like blasted through that. Uh, So I've got lined up for me and a true crime book, actually, one uh, that's actually uh, set in Japan as well. Uh, It's called People Who Eat Darkness uh, Mm -hmm. by Richard Lloyd Perry. Uh, Mm -hmm. And it tells a story about this uh, woman named Lucy Blackman, who Mm -hmm. just up, didn't vanish, disappeared one day. Um, And the investigation that kind of follows from there. I've only just started reading it, um, but the prologue was quite promising. Um, mm-hmm. Basically, this woman, she was a um, a hostess and working mm-hmm. at a hostess bar, which is just like kind of like a mm, prostitution kind of thing that happens in uh, one particular area in Japan, Roppongi District. Um, right. And so she's there and she's like going to meet a man that like called her up and says, yeah, I'll give you money to buy a mobile phone and Mm -hmm. we can hang out. And this is like, so she just goes along with this and then she's never seen again. Um... And Sounds then there's cool. A, there's a, yeah, there's a phone call from the, basically the man who killed her back to the friend saying, oh, no, she's not coming back. Uh, she's uh, joined a cult. She met the, this guru, and now she's never. you're never going to see her again. No, you can't talk to her right now. No, she's not feeling well. Hey, uh, I can mail mm-hmm. you her stuff back. What's your address? And <laughs> then he just hangs up, and you never see him again until, uh, I'm assuming at this point that he's the killer or whatever. But uh, mm-hmm. so far, so good. I love me some true crime. Uh, it's been a while since I've read one, probably two years. So I'm probably after this podcast, uh, I'll be going back to read that. That's so
1: exciting. I'm glad you learned how to read, Jared. I know. <laughs> that book does sound good. So if it is good, you'll have to pass it my way. I shall.
0: Uh, I've got, you've got a lot of books that I have to lend you at some point. Yes. Yeah, you, you certainly do. And
1: it's it, it's only adding to my own stack. I, I already know. have the next like three that I'm reading penned out. And what I'm going to read for summer and what I'm going to read for Halloween. So mm-hmm. I usually have my my uh, year booked out ahead of time. But uh, who knows? Maybe I'll, I'll get fast and
0: crank through some of these bad boys. Yeah. It's just about commitment. And right now, commitment. So, uh, so yeah, I've watched way less movies as a result. However, that's, that's tr- um, I can't help myself. And movies oh. still do get watched. Um, yeah. One of those movies I watched was a little film called Silent Rage.
2: Uh, Ooh.
0: this film stars one Chuck Norris, uh, from internet meme oh, fame. Um uh, mm-hmm. he is a sheriff in a small town. Um, and there is a, uh, I don't even know how you would describe this, a mentally ill man who has been beginning like experimental treatment and, uh, it makes him like fairly like strong and fairly difficult to actually put down. Um, but right. Chuck Norris, uh, he goes to deal with him. The guy gets lit up by some fellow deputy sheriffs and that's the end of the movie or so it seems uh (gasps) he gets this this body gets brought to the medical facility experiments are done and Mm -hmm. now he's an unstoppable michael myers like killer without a mask but he's wearing like this ridiculous like kind of like colorful like unisuit uh basically there just so uh, squibs can explode out of him when he gets shot Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and the whole movie is very dull. Uh, nothing really happens. There's things that I would put into uh, quotation marks of character development scenes. Uh, mm-hmm. where you're sp- I guess it's like this, this is like what people feel, think of as like, I don't know, the director or writer thought of it as filler scenes because they don't have a lot of money and they have to pace out the create tension by creating characters you like but it goes about it in this totally wrong-headed way of making characters that aren't interesting just talk to one another for a while and that's like Great. character development but it's not really mm-hmm. um and then the movie kind of just like oh now it's like at times like a slasher film uh and I don't know uh, Chuck Norris is terrible uh mm-hmm. i like I've liked very little of the movies I've seen him in which is about five or six at this point. And every time I'm like, God, he has like no charisma whatsoever. Like he's just not interesting. He's so boring compared to like Jocelyn Van Damme or like Schwarzenegger or Stallone. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean like he's worse than like Steven Seagal and I don't, uh, I don't hold hold Steven Seagal in much regard, but he's a lot better than, uh, Chuck. So that guy sucks. And I mean, I'm sure he's very happy with his president that's in the office right now.
1: You don't know that for sure. Oh, he, he might have
0: been he might have been a Hillary guy. Oh, no, no. He's he's quite like happy with Trump. He he, he huh? campaigned for Trump. He likes that Trump.
1: Uh, yeah, well, may, maybe he won't be such a online celebrity anymore then.
0: Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I think that ship's already sailed. Yeah, I, probably, probably. Uh, so that movie was a bust. Uh, right. I also watched the film High Rise from 2015. Oh, uh, from, with uh, Shit Shittlestein. Yeah, Shit Shittlestein. Yeah. yeah. So I don't really know if I've liked anything he's been in. <laughs> um, I haven't. No, I, I don't know. Crimson Peak I thought actually was bad. Uh, and High Rise is just like... I don't know. So it's directed by Ben Wheatley who directed Mm -hmm. this movie called kill list, which I think is just awesome. Oh yeah. That movie rules. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Kill list is wicked, but it Mm -hmm. seems like, I don't know. I haven't seen his movie sightseers, which I think I've heard is good. Uh, but I've seen a field in England, which I didn't like at all really. And I felt the exact same way about high rise. He has to like, I don't know his idea of like making movies that are like drug infused or like trippy. I find mm -hmm. just like, I don't know. I don't, do drugs? I haven't really done that many drugs, so I don't really know, don't know what they're a supposed dork. to feel like. So when I watch these movies, I just like have no relationship mm-hmm. at all to like this mental like space that is being depicted. Um, mm-hmm. I was reading a uh, review of the actual book High Rise mm-hmm. by J.G. Ballard because um, yep. I've never read the book, and mm-hmm. I, it seemed like this guy likes the book for what it is uh even though jg ballard doesn't really write like that differing of characters but he watched this right. movie and he's like this movie is just a mess of the book like it doesn't it, it it's like it seems like it's way too mm-hmm. meandering and like it doesn't it's because the, the, i guess the novel itself is like quite like uh stripped down and fairly like straightforward and the movie seems like it's like really languishing and like sort of the uh when do you know the story at all of what high rise is uh-
1: I don't, and I haven't read the book either, but I remember when this movie came out, there was a lot of people who were fans of the book, and it, was, it seemed like it fell into a naked lunch scenario where
0: people are like, yeah. this shouldn't oh. be
1: a movie. <laughs> Like, you know what I mean? It's yeah. like, this doesn't translate well
0: from book to screen. So so here's the funny thing. So uh, I was watching this movie, and Chanel kind of was, like, coming in and out of the room, doing stuff around the house. And she kind of went, oh, this is, like, very Cronenberg-like. And I'm like, that's Ooh. funny because uh, David Cronenberg is a big J.G. Ballard fan. And, Makes uh, sense. And, I mean, like, because he directed Crash, which is J.G. Ballard. And, I mean, even, like, Shivers, which came out mm, probably around the same time as the High Rise book was out there and it's about like uh one of these like strange like brutalist um architectural like apartment complexes where people just live their entire lives they leave to go to work and they come back and they have like their supermarkets there uh their their tennis courts their swimming pools their their dining centers everything is in these buildings and yeah there's no like turd looking parasites crawling into you or anything, unfortunately Ooh. in high rise. Um Aww. so yeah, there's like I mean it's kind of crazy just like how much J.G. Ballard is in Cronenberg that actually comes through visually. So when J.G. Ballard gets adapted by other people, it looks like David Cronenberg. (laughs) So Makes sense. So High Rise is a movie about a high rise uh, where it's kind of like broken down uh, not by coincidence where the lower class live in the bottom of the building, the middle class live in the middle, and then the richy rich live in the top. And things get closed when the rich people want to do it. Jeremy Irons is the master architect of this whole film, which also adds to the Cronenbergness of this. Um, yes. It's a period piece, though I don't think they ever explicitly say the year or anything, but it, all the fashion and design is there. Uh, I will say that, like, from a production standpoint, uh, High Rise is like a four or five star movie. Like, it looks incredible. The attention to detail mm-hmm. and look of it, it looks great, but I don't know. It's all kind of in the service of nothing because I just could, I never got into anything in this movie. None of the characters seem particularly relatable. Um, yeah uh old tom is just again he's just there in this movie he just brings nothing to the table um i don't know what it is yeah about i don't him. really like him either
1: i know he's like a heartthrob for the ladies but uh, mm-hmm. i feel like i don't feel like he's as you would say maybe he's not very charismatic he doesn't have like there's i don't i don't know i don't see the pull to him but maybe yeah. it's because i'm not attracted to uh Men
0: with don- with dongs. So well, I mean, I you, don't know. well, you know that uh, Charles Bronson's a sexy man. Oh shit! Yeah, Charles yeah, Bronson, hot go. as hell. Yeah, you, yeah there I,
1: you go. But I mean, maybe I'm. A, I have old man hotness. Like uh. I like the chucks, and I like the uh, you know the, the dudes Mills. like that. The guys that have, like, dad strength, yeah, the Chucks and the Mel's where it's like, they don't have a six-pack, but they'll fuck not, you not up.
0: Not these uh, twinks.
1: Yeah, yeah, the dad strength. So um, if okay. we have any female listeners, I don't know if we do. If we no? do, maybe, and they, uh, and if they think they know about this Tom Hiddleston uh, sexisms, uh, you let us know if you think he's hot or not. I'm, I'd be interested to see
0: yeah yeah i don't know i'm like actually there's a couple of lines in the movie too about like his body and like how he's a he looks he looks better with his clothes off which is a compliment i guess um yeah Uh, i'm just checking it out oh god damn yeah he's like a big old strikeout for me like oh fuck he's in kong skull island
1: (laughs) yeah i know which actually everything else about that movie sounds awesome you know who's in that fucking movie i don't america's sweetheart john goodman you know who's in that fucking movie everybody's favorite fucking john c Riley. oh uh it's got and like brie larson who i think is really good it's got tons of good uh actresses and even the director is good i can't remember what he did but uh, it was something that is not like uh like action movie at all um Shit. Well, you're, you're going to wait for a second. Well,
0: it sounds like I'm looking up the thing. <laughs> well, I'll talk about uh, the list of uh, Tom Hiddleston movies I don't like. Uh, so his big breakout was Thor, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, Midnight in Paris, didn't like it. Uh, okay, the, I oh, him. The Avengers. I think that movie's a piece of shit. Uh, Only Lovers Left Alive, I wasn't really that crazy about. But uh, you hate Jim
1: Jarmusch, too.
0: I don't hate him i just made that up (laughs) uh crimson peak junk high rise uh yeah there you go that's his uh track record with me oh he was in tv let's see if there's any Mm -hmm. good tv that he was on that i'm not thinking. probably not um so the
1: the director of kong skull island and uh people might be wondering why are you talking about kong skull island so much and maybe they'll find out one day maybe bro um. So that the director, he did a movie called The Kings of Summer, which uh, I didn't actually watch all of it, but I caught half of it. Andrew was watching it, and I thought it was pretty good. But that's about, like, it's like a teen coming-of-age story. So I think it's pretty big transition from that to King Kong. But apparently he's also rumored to be directing a Metal Gear Solid movie, which <laughs> I haven't heard anything about, so I, I find that really hard to believe. Yeah. Because I think that would be really huge fucking news if there was a... <laughs> Metal Gear Solid movie coming out, so. But anyways, that director, he had uh, one movie that uh,
0: was pretty good. Yep. It's got John Goodman. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. High rise. Uh, I I don't I, not not for me. That I'll say that. Um nice. But I don't know. I, actually, the whole time I was watching it, I kept thinking, "Oh, I really want to watch uh, Swiss Army Man." Um, You should have watched that instead Yeah, I have to get a a copy of it Maybe I'll do that tonight
1: I have a copy of it Oh,
0: really? Mm -hmm. Well, uh, one last grouping of movies I'll mention Yes Might as well get it out there Uh, Sunday, I wanted to just not watch anything special Um, So, uh, it was an Arnie night uh, Watching (laughs) some Arnold Schwarzenegger (laughs) movies I've never seen before Nice. Most of those coming from the early 2000s before uh, he went to the become a governor. The good ones. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, so I'd seen Terminator 3, but in my yeah. I, had a, I had a gap there of The Sixth Day and Collateral Damage. Oh man. Um, so these are two movies that came out <laughs> kind of in a period of time in my life where I was just like finishing high school and really getting into film And I was like, no, man, I do not watch the Arnold Schwarzenegger movies. Those movies are for Neanderthals, real thickos, idiots, scum of the earth. I don't watch dumb action movies anymore. I'm above that sort of thing. And Uh so I just completely avoided these movies. I didn't give a crap. Um, My tunes changed a little bit. Uh, I have an an appreciation for the Schwarzenegger. I I mean, I've always loved Terminator 2. And uh, Total Recall is wicked and... There's the predator and there's the commando. Running Command. man, running man is superb. Um, Fucking right, it is. So yeah, I, I don't know. There's, I mean, he's made some crap and uh, like Red Sonia. Hey folks, don't watch Red Sonia ever. Um, so I these two movies that cross off the list. Yeah. And we did it. We watched them, and yeah, uh, time could have been better spent. <laughs> so. Six Day uh, was a movie filmed obviously in Vancouver, uh, Canada, because yeah. mm-hmm. there's a, like, I don't know, there's always like this bit where you can see these like, uh, like Hong Kong style like condominiums on like on the ocean front, and I go, wait a minute, this is North America. They don't, I don't think they have those in Seattle. So I knew immediately like, this is Vancouver. They never actually mm-hmm. say where they are, but you get the sense that they're like in the Pacific Northwest, but it's right. Vancouver. Gotcha. Um, and then. There's a part where they're like driving around and they're using Simon Fraser University, which was <laughs> built by Arthur Erickson, the arch- famous architect, who also built the University of Lethbridge, which I'm very familiar with. Uh, I don't I, buy that. And I knew immediately. I'm like, oh, it's Simon. Mean, it's a Simon Fraser building because they all look the, kind of the same. Uh, mm-hmm. This movie is just—it's not good at all. It's got like a pretty decent-ish cast at times. It's got Michael Rooker. Um, I always like mm-hmm. Michael Rooker and stuff um yeah so, henry yeah henry so henry shows up uh robert duvall is in there Ooh. so uh, the movie do you, do you know do you, have you ever seen the sixth day i have okay uh,
1: my dad had it on vhs oh. and i i uh watched it on that one time one when time. i was like fucking like nine or something yeah
0: i think the fact that you only saw it once tells you the whole story yep mm-hmm yep Yeah,
1: I remember it not being great. I remember there's a helicopter scene, right? Oh,
0: yeah. There's some CGI helicopter (laughs) shit in there. Yeah. So this is like that period of time where, I don't know, CGI was like uh, all over the place. And they're just starting to use it for all sorts of things. And then instead of using Mm -hmm. stuntmen and like creating really great looking stunt scenes, they just start compositing people into things and then using computers to create explosions. It looks horrible. Uh, black's never oh. reproduced properly. Um, yeah, I, this movie. So the plot is that our Ar- Arnie, uh, mm. he gets accidentally cloned. And so you basically, uh-huh. you wind up watching the movie, the majority of it, from the clone's perspective, who doesn't realize he's the clone. That's that's the big twist of the movie, by the way. But it doesn't, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter because I think I figured that out pretty quickly where I went, oh, he's the clone. Yeah. Why, why wouldn't he be the clone? And, um, yeah, so there's evil corporations wanting to clone people. And they put in, like, a like uh, death code into the their DNA strand so like they can dangle it over people's heads to make sure that they do what they want them to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and it just kind of does exactly what you expect these type of things do. But it's not interesting or memorable in any way. The the action scenes are weird. There's like a weird like doll in it, like of like you can make like I don't know. It's like supposed to be like an uncanny valley sort of thing, but it's just like there's so many jokes and gags built upon this ugly, creepy looking doll that looks like I don't know, like a failed AI movie. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's just bad actually yeah it's like a failed artificial intelligence and failed minority report all starring arnold schwarzenegger oh thumbs down uh and was, then um what was what were you we gonna ask i was gonna uh, say
1: was this based on a, a pkd novel like a uh, minority report and all the such no it's it sounds like it could be though
0: i think i saw roger ebert gave this three stars and uh yeah well. but roger ebert's fucking high and all the time and he's dead
1: He gave happiness four stars, so you can't trust his ratings at all.
0: Hey, sometimes when he's right, he's right. Uh, Collateral damage. uh, I don't know. Do you remember this movie much at all? Uh, I know I've seen it, but I don't remember a a single thing about it. So the the, the only one little bit of trivia I'll throw out there is that this movie was supposed to come out, like I think at the end of September of 2001. Um, And this is a movie about a terrorist attack on American soil. And so after September 11th happened, collateral damage was delayed uh, for like several months. So it didn't come out until 2002. Um, So this movie uh, is also not very good. Um, this is a movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger as a firefighter. His family wind up being collateral damage when a terrorist Mm -hmm. detonates a bomb at a cafe trying to target some politicians. And Arnie wants revenge against, against, uh, Cliff Curtis, who also played the terrorist in True Lies. Um, and so he goes down to, uh, Columbia, uh, Mm -hmm. to take him out. (coughs) John Turturro shows up briefly Ooh. he plays a man that continuously uh reminds the audience that he's canadian um but this never Aww. really just never pays off in any way he just goes away john legozama shows up he gets killed <laughs> um mm-hmm. yeah uh alias Quateus, or casey jones himself he's in this i like uh, i like casey jones mm-hmm. i think he's a cool dude Uh, And this movie also, like, I don't know, it's just one of those things where, you know, when you watch an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, you want him to be like a guy who just like beats the shit out of people, yeah, kills people. No, it's like he's playing an everyman who's like got to like sneak out of situations. He never, he doesn't fire guns. Um, The end of this movie is just garbage with like again bad compositing, flames, and like people like being blown up but not really and being unscathed just to get have another action scene. I uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm like, I'm wrapping up my Schwarzenegger movies, but on the whole, it's like not changing my mind here. There's a reason why what, these movies, were, maybe I was right all along. Maybe I should have just not watched these things.
1: You left out a couple of the best movies ever made, like Kindergarten Cop, Twins,
0: and Junior. Uh, see, I've only seen Kindergarten Cop of those three. Well, all three of those are all Dave Apes, like the well, kids say. Well, what, 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 wait till Triplets comes out. Mm,
1: yeah that was supposed to come out two years ago with eddie murphy as the triplet mm-hmm. but it never fucking happened uh so we'll see. there you go but anyways yeah all three of those movies fucking rule man
0: yeah jingle all the way junior
1: that movie mm-hmm. also rules he, he gives he punches a reindeer and then gives it a beer mm-hmm. which is pretty crazy mm-hmm. it's pretty real crazy i like arnold man even uh, some of his later day ones like you know the last stand that came out a couple of years ago
0: that movie's not bad. It's I not bet bad. you yeah. would like it. No, I, I, like I did watch it. it. Oh. I have seen it, yeah. and it's good. It's okay. It's worth just like a afternoon watching.
2: Yeah.
1: I remember I went to the theater with a friend, and it was between that and Gangster Squad, and uh, we hadn't. neither of us had seen either, and we're like, let's go see Last Stand. <laughs> Gangster Squad sounds really bad. Mm-hmm. And it was. I watched it on a plane once like, two years <laughs> later, and I was like, this movie stinks. Mm-hmm. Take that, Sean Penn.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, that's yep. it for the crap I've watched. Um, it's pretty and, and, good stuff. Yeah. Any uh, any news you want to share before well, we move news. on? Okay. I
1: think I could have some news for you. I could talk about some stuff. I could talk to you about how David Fincher's World War Z, or Zed, as we would call it, number two, has been canceled. Mm. I could talk to you about how the Friday the 13th reboot movie has been canceled (laughs) or I could talk to you about how apparently Guy Ritchie is going to direct the Aladdin live action movie, which I find fucking insane. But, uh, I'm not going to talk to you about any of those things. Fine. (laughs) You you know what I'm going to talk to you about? What? Netflix announced today that there is going to be a Castlevania series on Netflix. Oh, and I don't know how to feel about it. Okay. You know, who's writing this series? Warren Ellis. Warren Ellis. So you've heard of the news.
0: Yes. I you know guess
1: who's a producer so. on this series? No. That crazy motherfucker, Audie Shankar. And people are going to say, who's Audie Shankar? Remember that Rated R Power Rangers short that came out like two years ago uh-huh. with James Vanderbeek and Katie Sackhoff? The guy who wears like face paint and like is very weird. He is attached to this and actually he's he's a producer on some pretty good movies like dread uh the gray lone survivor stuff like that he's actually a pretty solid producer but he also says stuff like apparently he said that this castlevania series is going to be rated r as fuck (laughs) and ultra ultra super violent and those are all quotes um so I, I'm a little wary whenever someone says something like they come out before it's even made and they're like, it's going to be ultra violent.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, the reason I bring it up is because I like video games and I think Castlevania is super cool. They're really good games and they're so much fun. I mean, you're whipping at fucking Dracula and all that shit. Super cool. So there's going to be a Netflix series. Um, however, I don't know if you knew this year, but did you know that like six years ago they were going to make a movie and you know who was going to be in that movie? Hmm. Nicolas Cage, oh yeah, I heard
0: he something was gonna. About that.
1: He was gonna star in that. I don't know if he was gonna be Dracula or like Simon Belmont, but uh, that would have been pretty cool.
0: Simon Belmont.
1: Simon Belmont. I'm here to. I'm here to kill you, Dracula.
2: Hmm.
1: Um. So I don't know. I. I think it's uh. It'll be interesting. I'm gonna watch it for sure. Okay. So uh, I bring it up because whenever it does come out, I'm gonna talk about
0: it on the show. Okay. Um. Yeah. Castlevania. Um growing up i never really played any of the castlevania games I do remember there was the um Captain n cartoon um mm-hmm. and that Simon Belmont was a character on that and I, he was just kind of like the blonde like selfish hunk character and so that was like kind yeah. of always my mental image of Simon Belmont kind yeah. of just being a, a goof. Uh, sure. Which I guess goes against the the very serious like history of the Castlevania mm-hmm. universe, and there would be like all these mm-hmm. des- the descendants and all that stuff. Um, I remember I've I've since like tried playing them on emulators and stuff like that, and they're fine. They're uh, they're whatever. really hard. They're Castlevania Metroid type games, right? Yeah. That sort of thing. They're really I've, yeah. And then like yeah, I remember like tr- uh, playing the the old time classic Symphony of the Night and thinking oh, it yeah. was just okay. Um, not my type yeah. of game. Honestly, but
1: I think uh super Castlevania four is a lot better
0: than Symphony in the night, but, okay. uh, well, Hey, if you like, you know, if you like your vampire hunter stuff, you should mm-hmm. check out the vampire hunter D anime movie that from you like, own movies. it. Uh, yes I do. Well then you give it to me and I will check it out. Okay. Cause it's pretty yeah, cool. No. It's like, kind of like what I hope Castlevania would be like, but mm-hmm. cause this is going to be live action. I'm assuming the, no, Oh,
1: apparently I did. I checked it out as soon as while I was talking about it, because it wasn't released earlier this morning, this news broke and they had zero info about it. And then through the course of the day, they've gotten people to talk about it. And apparently it will be an animated series. Hmm. So, I mean, I don't know. We'll see,
2: I
0: guess. Honestly, it's a lot less interesting like that uh it's animated. yeah
1: well, well see the the fr- it's like you were saying it's such a like it is actually like a pretty beloved franchise and i think there's a lot of potential there make it a fucking either like a tv series or a fucking movie but do it live action mm-hmm. it would be cool
0: yeah well, you can do so much stuff with it well maybe you should check out that uh gi joe movie that warren ellis wrote <laughs> The, oh, which the, one did he the, write? Some animated one. I don't know. This is the uh, problem with, like, I don't know, being capped at the animated level for stuff. It's always yeah. like, oh, uh, no one's going to really take it seriously. <laughs> yeah. Which, it's just it's just weird biases. Because, I mean, there's good animation that blows away a lot of live action stuff. But it's always Shit, like, yeah. I don't know. In particular, unless you get a really good studio doing your animation. Mm-hmm. if you Unless they, they can go cheap and get, like, a garbage, like, I don't know, some cheap place out of, like, South Korea. And it'll, like, yeah. just look like garbage. Like, that's, like like... All those, like, DC cartoons these days, like, they look like crap. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. Well, I I just saw that, and that made me a little bit sadder because I was really hoping it would be live action, like Mm -hmm. what you said. Yeah. It would give it a lot more stones, and honestly, I think if you got the right people, it would be really fucking good. There's so much you could do with it. Sure. He's fighting, like, Frankensteins and fucking mummies and wolfmen and then Dracula, like... And it's a like like what you were saying the franchise has such a huge like mythos to it like it's they've been making those games for 30 fucking years and it's a pretty elaborate fucking story so
0: yeah
1: yeah it's uh yeah i'm sad now that it's animated i'll still watch it though i'll okay. still watch it so anyways i i wish we had seen the movie with nicolas cage but it probably would have turned out like that dungeons and dragons movie <laughs> or something and just been <laughs> really bad so i don't know did you know Guy Ritchie was making that Aladdin movie? That's pretty <laughs> fucking crazy, hey!
0: Oh my god, yeah. Why is
1: he doing it?
0: I don't know. they, they just like getting name directors to like do things now. That's just what Disney or Marvel works. The door Disney works, and that yeah.
1: Oh, oh no, wait. That does. I was gonna say he did. He just made that big King Arthur remake, but I think that's for Warner Brothers, not for uh, Disney. So Ooh. I guess maybe maybe Disney was like, hey, we heard you made that King Arthur stuff. We want uh, you on. Uh, over here, join, I don't know. Join
0: John Favreau.
1: Join John Favreau, who is now locked in to make Disney movies for his entire fucking
0: life. That's not a bad way of living a life, I guess. If that's He's what you want to do, get, gonna get a lot of money. Uh, constant work. Yeah. So, anyways, that
1: was my news. I don't know if you got anything. Nah. Let's All get. Right.
0: Let's start talking about movies, I guess. All right. All right. Well, folks, after the break, uh, we're gonna talk about. I guess number 38 "Brandy to Kill from 1967
2: directed by Seijun Suzuki boom 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 gotta shoot you right down take you where my arms I'm in love Love that is true, boom, 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 boom. I like the way you walk, I, write I the like way the way you talk. When you walk that walk, and you talk that talk, you, you knock, knock me out, La I look for my feet, All right, baby. Come on, and shake, shake a little baby. baby. Come on. 組織 美しい男子よ私の初あ、<笑> <口がない。笑> <笑><笑> i
0: And we're back. We're talking about Brandy to Kill from 1967, directed by Saijin Suzuki. Uh, First, uh, in his own words, I'm just going to read this paragraph uh, about being a B-movie director. Um, This is a quote from 1991. Uh, if you hear the word B-movie, you will probably laugh hardly, but a B-movie director has his own worries. In newspaper ads, the main feature usually has the most prominent place, and I'm way down at the bottom. The B-movie director's biggest worry is the question, what effect will the main feature have that is shown before your film? Films from Nikatsu usually have the same plot. The main character falls in love with a woman, he kills the bad guy, and gets the woman. This pattern is repeated in every film, so you concentrate on finding out all you can about who the actors are, who the director is, and the approach this director has. This is what the B-movie director does. For instance, the main feature's director has a habit of filming a love scene in a certain way. This means that I have to handle it in another way. The director of the main feature has it easy. He doesn't have to find out how I work at all. He can just do whatever he wants. So actually, a B-movie director has a harder task than his colleague who does the main feature because of this the studio should give me more money than him actually but it's just the other way around so branded to kill uh-huh. um, I copy and pasted this from Wikipedia <laughs> <laughs> let's go Goro Hanada, the Japanese underworld's third-ranked hitman, and his wife, Mamie, fly into Tokyo and are met by Kasuga, a formerly-ranked hitman-turned-taxi-driver. Kasuga petitions Hanada to assist him in breaking back into the profession. Hanada agrees, and the three go to a club owned by the Yakuza boss, Michinuko Yahurara. The two men are hired to escort a client from Sagami Beach to Nagano. After the meeting, Yabuhara covertly seduces Hanada's wife. Hanada and Kasuga pick up a car designated for the job which unexpectedly has a corpse in the back seat. They dispose of the body, then meet the client and proceed towards their destination. En route, Hanada spots an ambush. He dispatches a number of gunmen while Kasuga panics and flails about in hysterics. Foaming at the mouth, Kasuga charges an ambusher, Ko, the fourth-ranked hitman, and they kill each other. Hanada leaves the client to secure Ko's car, but hears three gunshots and rushes back to find the client to save, and three additional ambushers have been shot cleanly through the forehead. At a second ambush, Hanada kills more gunmen and sets Sakura, the second-ranked hitman, on fire. Uh, mm-hmm. Sakura madly rushes toward the client and is shot dead by him. On his way home, Hanada's car breaks down. Misako, a mysterious woman with a death wish, stops and gives him a ride. At home, he has rough sex with his wife, fueled (laughs) by his obsession with sniffing boiling rice. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yabuhara hires Hanada to kill four men, the first three being a customs officer, an ocularist, and a jewelry dealer. Hanada snipes the first from behind a billboard's animatronic cigarette lighter, shoots the second from a basement up through a pipe drain, when the latter leans over the sink and, ordered to finish quickly, blasts his way into the third's office and escapes on an advertising balloon. Masako then appears at his door and offers him a nearly impossible contract to kill a foreigner, which he cannot refuse having just been told the plan. During the job, a butterfly lands on the barrel of his rifle, (laughs) causing him to miss his target and kill an innocent bystander. Misako tells him that he will now lose his rank and be killed Hanada makes plans to leave the country but is shot by his wife who then sets uh, their apartment on fire and flees uh His belt buckle, however, stopped the bullet and he escapes the building. He finds Misako and they go to her apartment. After alternating failed attempts by him to seduce her and then to kill each other, she succumbs to his advances when he promises to kill her. Afterwards, he finds he cannot as he has fallen in love with her. In a state of confusion, he wanders the streets and passes out on the side of the road. The next day, he finds his wife at Yabuhara's club. She tries to seduce him, then fakes hysteria and tells Yabuhara uh, that paid her to kill him and that the three men he had killed had stolen from Yabuhara's diamond smuggling operation and the foreigner was an investigator sent by the supplier. Unmoved, Hanada kills her, gets drunk, and waits for Yabuhara to return. Yabuhara arrives already dead with a bullet hole through the center of his forehead. Hanada returns to Masako's apartment where a film projector has been set up. It depicts Masako bound and tortured and directs him to a breakwater to a breakwater where the following day he is to be killed. Hanada submits to the demand, but kills the killers instead. The former client arrives and announces himself as the legendary number one killer. He says he will kill Hanada, but in thanks for the work he has done, is only giving a warning at present. Hanada holds up in Masako's apartment, and number one begins an extended siege, taunting Hanada with threatening phone calls and forbidding him to leave the apartment. Eventually, number one moves in with the now exhausted and inebriated Hanada under the pretext that he is deciding how to kill him. They agree to a temporary truce and set times to eat, sleep, and later to link arms everywhere they go. Number one suggests they eat one day and then disappears during the meal. At the apartment, Hanada finds a note in another film from number one stating he will be waiting at a gymnasium with Misako. Hanada waits at the gymnasium, but number one does not show. As a bed-draggled Hanada rises to leave, a tape recorder switches on explaining. This is the way number one works. He exhausts you, and then he kills you. Hanada puts a headband on his forehead and climbs into a boxing ring. Number one appears and shoots him. The headband stops the bullet, and Hanada returns fire. Number one slumps to the ground, but manages to shoot him a few times before dying. Hanada leaps and staggers around the lane, declaring himself the new number one. Masako enters the arena, and crazed, he instinctively shoots her dead. Then falls from the ring, and that is branded to kill in a nutshell. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Yeah. So, RJ, what mm-hmm. did you think of branded to kill? <clears throat> well, Jer. Well,
1: I think that might be the longest synopsis of all time for a movie that had no fucking story. <laughs> um, I'm gonna I'm gonna lay it down for you like this, baby. Yeah branded to kill also known as art house yakuza Mm -hmm. i think it's cool yep i think it's got some pretty neat shots i think all the kills are very cool uh everything looks really good uh his art house stuff is very nice Mm -hmm. with the butterflies and the cutting to faces saying things like mantis (laughs) toboggan things like that i think that's all very neat but I don't think this movie is very good. Um, I don't – well, that that's not fair. I don't really like this movie.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm sure some people really like it. Mm. People who are into that abstract impre- – like, I don't know. Art House is the only way I know how to describe it without sounding like an
0: asshole. Okay. Um, well, you go for it. Be an asshole.
1: Be an asshole. Like, yeah. I don't know. It, it just – it all seemed like abstract, like – expressionism where it's like butterfly it's beauty it's life butterfly on the barrel oh no and then there's walls with like drapes of butterflies and it's like i want to kill you Mm. but i want to rape you first baby Mm. like uh stuff like
0: that smelling that boiling rice
1: smelling that boiling rice which is like the weirdest trait to give a character but i mean (laughs) hey
0: i bet there's a dude out there who just like
1: gets off smelling boiling rice so i guess Mm-hmm. I guess it's got that going for it. Um, these movies are pretty sexually aggressive, which isn't a bad thing. But uh, there's a sex scene on a staircase, which I question entirely because it's so impractical. No one would be having fun on that in that scenario. Um, no, I think it's, it's a cool movie. I can see why it's in the collection. But I don't really like it. Um, for certain reasons, like... I just I don't think this there's much to the story. Mm-hmm. It was kind of hard to follow, to mm-hmm. be honest.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: and it's like I said, the the kills are really cool, and I like some of the other things that he does in it. It's like super stylized, but I feel like I feel like he would have been better off doing something super arty like something like David Lynchian where it's just like you just be like I don't know what the fuck is going on because that's what happens sometimes when I watch David Lynch
2: hmm
1: so sometimes I don't understand David Lynch and I feel like it's because he does whatever he feels like which isn't a bad thing Hmm, and I feel like this guy was trying to still be able to pass this off to people where he he kind of had his own flourishes his own like stylistic stuff but he also like tried to accommodate enough to crowds where people wouldn't be like i don't know what was going on so and i know what you're gonna say you you don't have any problem interpreting david lynch but uh there are times when i watch david lynch movies where i am i don't know what's going on and I don't hold it against those movies because I like all his movies, but like watching watching like Lost 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 Highway and Mohamad Drive, there are certain scenes where it's like I don't know what's going on, but I still think those movies are really good. Right. So, anyways, I think this is a cool movie, but uh,
0: I didn't really like it. That's fair. Um, yeah. Okay, so I don't really like this movie that much either. Nice. Honestly. <laughs> um, nice. Yeah. So. Uh, I agree with you pretty well. Um, yeah. So, my history with this movie is I've watched both these movies years and years ago. Um, yeah. I think I watched these on DVD, like the Criterion DVDs that were first out way back when, with the very colorful color, uh, covers they had back when, mm-hmm. and. Um, at the time, so this is like early 2000s, I thought they were really cool, weird, wacky Japanese movies. Like, whoa, man, I can't believe they, they make movies like this in Japan. Like, at that point, I probably yeah. hadn't seen a lot of, like, 60s uh, Japanese movies, let alone Yakuza movies, and I just assumed yeah. that, like, all these movies were like this, or like, Takashi Miike movies. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, that's all that that country produced was stuff like that. Like, they yeah. made samurai movies like Kurosawa, or they made these weird 60s Yakuza stuff. Okay. And Brilliant. so, at the time like yeah these are really neat Um, and actually it's funny like I, I was thinking about Warren Ellis uh, the, the comic writer while I was watching this because like he's one of those guys that would have just been talking about uh, something called like mad beautiful ideas Um yeah. and like this would have been a movie that people would have been like oh man I can't believe it! these movies are so great they're just like this just mind-blowing
2: mm-hmm. so
0: that would have been like good enough when these would have been released on DVD back in 1999 when there was not a lot of uh, that stuff available in North America yet Right, fifteen plus years later, uh, we live in a world where like there's tons of this stuff out now, and now we actually get way more stuff from the '60s. Uh, mm-hmm. We have like a much better like grasp of like all the different movies that were coming out back then, um, mm-hmm. and now we can kind of like I've seen like way better stuff from the same window of time, and I'm like, yeah, these are really good, um, and like there's like I mean this movie, these movies are like pr- like fairly unique in their own regard. Like we're talking about their like the production design and like the the, the, the There's like a real anarchic spirit to these movies, which I'll yep. get into because uh, not only did neither of us care for this, uh, the studio, Nikatsu, also hated his movies a lot to the point where they actually <laughs> sure. fu- they fired him over this particular movie and he yep. was like blacklisted for like a decade in Japan to work on like major studio movies. I don't um, find that surprising. Well, he, because like, yeah, I mean, he, like, he I'll, I'll get to it. But anyway, so... I don't know. Watching this movie again, like nothing about it drew me in. Um like right. the whole time I kept like thinking like, oh, this like it starts off kind of like promising. Like it's really like it looks great. The cinematography is really good. Uh yeah. it's these just, like killers with sunglasses. They're like, I already kind of expecting like, yeah, it's like like a crazy yeah. Japanese manga about like uh killers that are all vying to be number one. And like cool, right. I I get that idea, but it doesn't go in that direction. Um mm-hmm. it's I don't know, like have you ever heard of a Gogo 13? It's like
1: a. I have. I've never. I've never experienced it, but I I, I have heard about it.
0: Yeah. So I mean, it's like kind of like I was expecting. I guess something along those lines, which is kind of more like what Tokyo Drifters like, but at the same time. I don't know. There's just something like, I just, I don't know. I didn't care the whole time watching these movies. Like there's yeah. like, I, m- most of my notes consisted of like, well, I was a like cool killing, yeah. uh, like shooting through your own windshield, but then the windshield doesn't shatter at all. Like just weird, choppy, yeah. weird editing. But like, that's like, comes down to like, this movie had like really mm-hmm. low budgets. Like these, are like we're talking like probably Roger Corman, like levels of budgets yep. and just trying to make it like kind of as exciting, visually interesting mm-hmm. movies as you could. But like, yeah, yeah, dude bumping off that building, uh, that mm-hmm. looked pretty awesome awful um yeah full, full body burn running man that was pretty good you know uh, what i wrote down that
1: guy was on fire forever
0: he was running to that body forever. of water yeah yeah
1: you know what scene i really liked actually
0: mm.
1: when uh they were driving in that convertible and it was raining i thought that was really nice yeah i liked it it touched me inside
0: uh popping the dude's eye out that like i was like what the hell like mm. i don't remember that do you and want
1: do you want to? Do you want to re- want me to read my exact uh, yes. note on that? Gross ass eyeballs. Weird. Yes. Because <laughs> uh, I didn't know how else to describe yeah. that.
0: And then you get, it was weird. Yeah. And then right after that, like immediately, you get the faucet kill, which is like, oh, that's mm-hmm. that's novel. That's cool. interesting. Well, yeah. And I was like, did that guy shoot up that pipe? pipe? Yeah. Right. What? The- yeah, he did. Um, that's were- like some uh, Clive Owen shit right mm-hmm. there. Yeah. Uh, then you get the hot air balloon escape. Uh, <laughs> that made me laugh. Yeah, I, I think was like, like come on. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure it's like I mean, it's a silly, silly movie. Um, and then I wrote weird male-female Japanese dynamics uh, as oh, and yeah. men just as as uh, old uh, artificially uh, augmented cheekbones. Joe Shishidi just slaps the shit out of people, and and men oh, yeah. or men just slapping shit out of women in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then um butterflies.
1: yeah that butterfly stuff have you ever seen uh that cigar ross uh, music video with shia labeouf no there's a so cigar ross had a contest to make a music or like some to make for people to make a music video to one of their songs and shia labeouf actually i could be misquoting this completely But there's, okay, there's a music video of Sigmar Ross with Shia LaBeouf. And in that one, it's super art house. He's like licking lollipops and like doing yoga with this girl and stuff. And there's like butterflies everywhere. I'm going to send you a link and I'm going to get you to watch it. But uh, that's what it reminded me of. That whole like 12-minute segment where there's just butterflies everywhere. And he's throwing them up in the air and he's squanching them. And yeah, it was weird.
0: Big A art.
1: Yeah, big A art. Yeah.
0: Uh, yeah, so um, another note here is this movie has one of the most extensive Wikipedia entries for almost any of the films we've watched, which is all true. Um, this movie's mm-hmm. got a ridiculous Wikipedia page. Um, and then uh note of Saijin Suzuki was kind of infamous for making movies that didn't make any sense. Oh, <laughs> um, that makes sense. Like... I don't even think that was the movie's problem, that it didn't make any sense. Like, I understood yeah. what the movie was. It just, like, I don't know. It kind of failed It, just, it, it failed to work as a movie should, like, to, like, I don't know, present yeah. you with a character that, like, you care one way or another about. Like, I didn't hate the character. Mm-hmm. I didn't like the character. I was just kind of like, oh, he's doing his stuff. Like, he just kept doing scenes and doing stuff. Yep. So um, it was kind of hard to, like, root mm-hmm. for any of it
1: no i I agree with you like i knew what was supposed to be going on yeah yeah. it's like yeah okay i get it they're like all contracted killers and whatever 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 like i got all that too it's just like it's like what you said it's like i don't really care yeah, there's nothing that brings you into it.
0: Uh, I, I guess like for me, probably the real highlight of the movie and like probably the funniest stuff was like when the like when Killer Number One and Killer Number Three they're just like hanging out together uh, in the apartment yeah, that, building. That stuff was really yeah. good. Like I I thought that stuff was like the strongest. Um yeah. that was really cool. Yeah, I don't know. Like I just like yeah, I was pretty indifferent to the whole thing. Uh, yep. So I'm very disappointed. I guess. Um, was this uh, one of the ones that you questioned? Where like why is this in here? Mm, no like i said like kind of like what i was saying at the beginning like in 1999 when this first came out i think it made yeah. way more sense uh yeah I'm, I'm, I'm amazed that they've gone back and repackaged these with the blu-rays that they did mm-hmm. um because the, the blu-rays look really nice um yes they and, do and uh but yeah it's curious because like i mean i'd rather i mean i'd love to see like great expectations and uh, Oliver Twist twists come out on blu-ray Fucking right. That's my man, David Lean. Yeah, but uh those those elude us because I, I think these movies are just more popular. It seems like a lot of yeah. like movie collectors will like gravitate toward that Japanese stuff. I know I do. I mean the reasons I I have these both are because uh of like, oh I love Yuzu movies and I love the Japanese mm-hmm. criterion, so I snagged them up. But yeah, I don't know. I kind of was like watching them again. I was like, oh, there's really like I don't know. I think there's just so many better uh versions of these movies or like this type of story that exists like um right. as an, as, to give an example um god what's it called it's like the battle battles without honor or humanity which is mm-hmm. like very different like it's more like um it's more Godfather than mm-hmm. like these are like pop movies but like those that's like an amazing epic series of movies There like five there's five parts of them and they're all like pretty good on the whole and uh really great characters and there's a like, good intensity the violence is ridiculous, but not this kind of like cartoony yep. pop stuff. But I yep. mean, those are amazing and they're available now to watch. And it's like, oh, these would be better Criterions. But uh Arrow mm-hmm. Video is putting those out and they've actually put out two uh Nikatsu Diamond Guy collections, which I imagine probably have more movies along these lines, but maybe they're better. I don't know. Saijin Suzuki is actually fairly well represented in the Criterion collection. We'll be seeing mm-hmm. more of his movies down the road one day. Mm-hmm. But, I'm not um, looking forward to that. Yeah, I don't know. Um well, I'll go through the what happened with Brandy to Kill probably after we talk about Tokyo Drifter, I think.
1: Yeah, I think we've said our I was going to say maybe we should just move on and we can talk about all this stuff together. Okay.
0: So, yeah. after the break, folks, we're going to talk about Tokyo Drifter from
2: 1966. <laughs> 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 いでにマンホールの呼び殺しも一緒に報告男の血はなぜ we we're and we?
0: And we're back. And finally, we're talking about Tokyo Drifter from 1966, mm-hmm. a year prior to Brandy to Kill, but for whatever reason, it's spine number 39. So here we are.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, run through a plot synopsis also supplied from our good friends at Wikipedia. Uh, Tetsuya Hondo is a member of a recently deactivated Yakuza gang. His boss, to whom he holds absolute loyalty, Karada, has given up the life of crime for himself and his syndicate. Atsuka, uh, a rival gang boss, attempts to recruit Tetsu into his organization, but is turned down. After failing, Atsuko sends an assassin to neutralize Tetsu, fearing he will interfere with a real estate scam. Looking to profit from the scheme himself and fearing that his group is threatened by his presence, Karatu asks Tetsu to leave and live the life of a drifter. Atsuka and Karata join forces and assign the successful hitman Viper Tetsuzo to kill Tetsu. Tetsu evades Viper and his hit squad a number of times and arrives at the establishment of uh, Umatani, an ally of Boss Karatu. Karada. God damn these names. Tetsu returns to Tokyo confronting his boss who betrayed him. He kills everyone in the room besides his boss and former girlfriend. At the end of the movie, Karada kills himself and Tetsu rejects his former girlfriend uh, Chiharu's plea to allow her to accompany him on his travels. He exits down a pure white hallway explaining that he has a new allegiance to the wanderer lifestyle and cannot abandon it for the company of another. Jeez. So RJ, what did you think of Tokyo Drifter?
1: I think it's way better than branded to kill. Okay. But there's still not much there. Yeah. Um, It's way it's at least a coherent like movie like you can kind of follow it a lot better. Um, I think his style comes through a lot more. The use of like colors and stuff like that are really good. Mm hmm. Um, The way he either paints an entire room (laughs) or has lighting in certain spots, like the color just comes through and it's magnificent
0: oh yeah yeah I mean you can tell that I mean like because one of the things too is like it's weird with Brandy to Kill which came a year later is that he didn't yeah. have color and I mean, the only explanation for that honestly would be he had, he had less money Cheap. for Brandy to Kill they, they, yeah. they cut back his budget and they're like yeah this is what you get to make and they were hating on him which I'll get yep. into um, so yeah, yeah Tokyo Drifter gets to embrace the full color thing um, on the uh, Blu-ray there's an interview with him and his production designer and just talking about like his like love of production design like hey that's something yep. like people really should focus on even though like your average movie goer doesn't probably think about production design in any thoughtful way. And we were just talking about it like tonight, uh, about alien cubed, Um, uh, like like how that's like the most noteworthy thing about that movie. But I mean, like that's a different level of like scale too, um, that obviously would not have been available at Nikatsu studios at that point in time. For Um, sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. My, my only two notes for Tokyo drifter, uh, is hey two men again, um, yeah. and intentionally wearing your sunglasses.
1: Yeah, those are both very accurate descriptions of this movie. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think this movie is way better, but I think it has a lot of the same problems. But uh, this one, I found I had a lot of notes for, not just notes, just observations. You know, my uh, my trademarked observations. Yeah. Like uh, at the start, they had that Reservoir dog shot where all the guys are walking in their suits down the pier. I was like, I bet Quentin Tarantino's seen this movie, yep. and I'm sure he has. Yeah, there's,
0: uh, well, you know, uh, Qu- not Quentin Tarantino and Jim Jarmusch and John luc all directors who have been mentioned on this very episode so far. Uh, they yep. all talk about how they love this these movies. They,
1: uh, they well, they're wrong to love them, but I mean, <sighs> I I can see why. Like like I said, the style and like this director's like flair or like own flourishes and stuff like that i can see that because i can see how all of them have uh, taken from that samplings mm-hmm. if you will mm-hmm. such as the name
0: of the jazz club the manhole <laughs> which i thought was fucking hilarious <laughs> that, I, oh, um, oh fuck i mean like years ago uh, uh friends and i we'd like laugh about like a gay bar in calgary called manholes <laughs> manholes I, well i was I, gonna say i don't even know if it existed but we just like thought the idea of that would be i that's the name of a great gay bar manholes. manholes well i was gonna say if there was a uh, a bar in creepsville here called manholes
1: i w- i would be a regular there i'd go there every <laughs> goddamn night because that's so funny <laughs> i would just, like because the people who would go to that bar too you'd get two types the dudes who take it very literally which you know mm-hmm. right on and then the dudes like me who would just be like, "Man, that's so so fucking funny." It's like, why wouldn't I want to go? If, why wouldn't you want to drink there? it would be like, "Where are you at, man? Manholes, getting down on the manhole. It's fucking awesome." And people
2: go, so,
0: oh.
1: yeah, people would be like, "Where? <laughs> well,
0: uh, why would you drink at a place called manholes?" Anyway,
1: uh, yeah. Anyways, so uh, I had that. Um, I thought the false elevator was very cool. Uh, where they like close an elevator and then he opens it with his own hands and then just falls into like a hole. I was like, "Oh, that's neat." But then it didn't amount to anything, so that's weird. Uh did you notice that this movie also doubled as an advertisement for the hair dryers? I didn't pick up on that. You are you fucking kidding me? I think, I, I honestly so probably zoned out watching this. <laughs> two two separate times and it's separated by like 30 40 minutes. There's a scene where there's two ladies in a uh, club or whatever. And she's like, oh, that's a good gizmo. What do you got there? And it's like, it's the 96, 5000, like the frost guard hairdryer. And she's like blowing her hair. And I thought it was really weird. I was like, that's weird. And then like half an hour later, the dude, like the main character is blowing dry in his hair too. And then the older guy comes in. He's like, what is that like the 86? And he's like, yeah. How did you know? He's like, oh, I'm not a young man. It's like, I know what... Uh, hair dryers to use and I was just like what the fuck I was like is this movie like they must have been endorsed by the fucking hair dryer company and that's how he probably got the money to make the movies it sounds like he couldn't get the money from anyone else so I thought that was like I thought it was very bizarre and you know that's weird (laughs) uh there's a scene where a guy's running in the woods and then a leg comes out from a tree and trips him and it's never explained And I thought that was weird. There is a a bar fight scene, which I actually thought was really fun, but it's a little too little too late. And there's a scene where a guy's looking up a dress and then all of a sudden all this white fluffy mush falls on his face. Yeah. And I was just like, what the fuck is that (laughs) supposed to be? I don't get it. I don't get it. And then uh, my last note, and I'm not going to give you any uh, context for it. It's just uh, a lot of talk about rubbing dudes out. So <laughs> there's uh there's about 15 minutes where er, people are just talking about rubbing another guy out. And I was just like, what is going on in this fucking movie? Giant white rooms. Yeah. Giant white rooms. And yeah, it's bizarre, man. It's bizarre.
0: Yeah. I just feel like I should recommend other like movies, like Japanese things that I've watched that from like the same period of time. That's, that's sure. like, hey, people should just watch this instead. It's like, I don't mm-hmm. know. It's I don't know. I just zone out watching I agree. Tokyo. I don't know. This movie, like, it's only like 82 minutes long, and I just was like, yeah. oh, it's not over and yet. I don't know. I wasn't feeling, either I just wasn't feeling in the mood to watch this sort of stuff. Um, and I don't know. I, I, I it's, it's my failing, but I don't know. I don't have any rush to change my mind on it either. Like, No, uh, I'll speak
1: to that a little bit. I think Branded to Kill absolutely is not very good. I think Tokyo Drifter, I can see why people like it. Sure but not. I'm in the same I'm in the same spot as you i don't I didn't really much care for it, but it's way better than Brandon's Kill, and it's super stylized. so I can see why all those directors named it as like a big inspiration or something. But yeah, I just where we are now in time eh.
0: no. <laughs> <laughs> that's my two cents. Jesus Christ! Uh, I'm, just, I'm, I'm so I'm gonna I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna skim through movies from the 60s that I've watched from Japan that are better. Ooh, there's a good one. Uh, throwing it out there. It's a horror film. Uh, where'd it go? It's it's got a really unusual title too. Oh, it's lost. Never mind. It's lost the time, RJ. No one can. Just like no, us. Just like us. Oh my God! I can't. There's this one called uh, Blind Beast though. Uh, it's a kind of like a horror movie, but it's amazing. Um, I mm. couldn't recommend that movie more strongly enough. And it's like various like similar sort of like over the top kind of production value, but it totally makes sense. Like there's actually kind yeah. of purpose to it. It's not just uh, styles stylization for the sake of making like really great production values pop or whatever. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm failing here pretty hard there's a there's yeah, actually there, 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 there's a Nikatsu uh, Eclipse series box set they put out with with movies like with great titles like The Rusty Knife and um, I Am Waiting and A Cult Is My Passport which are all like I don't know they're all similar like I mean I think Japan was probably putting out a ton of these like gangster movies at the period like because they were mm-hmm. just popular um, and they're all like interesting in their own ways like uh, this one called Cruel Gun Story, great title, sure. Um, and they're just like they're all cheap, but uh, I don't know, probably a little. More there. I don't know, I, I'm just trying to think of like coming from the studio standpoint, like who mm-hmm. again hated his movies. Um, which maybe I'll just touch upon that. So, just get into it, baby. Um, okay, so. Uh, on April 25th, 1968, Suzuki received a telephone call from a Nikatsu secretary informing him that he would not be receiving his salary for that month. (laughs) Uh, Two friends of Suzuki met with Hori the next day and were informed that Suzuki's films were incomprehensible, that they did not make any money, and that Suzuki might as well give up his career as a director as he would not be making films for any other companies. Um, Nice. Yeah. So at that time, the student film society called Sin Sin Club... Um, was sponsoring a major retrospective of Suzuki's films. uh, Meant to be the first in Japan to honor a Japanese director. It was scheduled to begin on May 10th, but Hori withdrew, I'm assuming that's like the head of Nikatsu, Hori withdrew all of his films from distribution and refused to release them to the Cine Club. The students were told that Nikatsu could not afford to cultivate a reputation for making films understood only by an exclusive audience, and that showing incomprehensible and thus bad films would disgrace the company. Adding that Suzuki's films would not be shown for some time in theaters or by the Cine Club. Um so like I've never like, he- I don't know if I've ever heard of like a studio like studio. going going to bat to like just destroy some guys that like cost them money like where they just like, mm-hmm. I, I, i've never heard of this before but this like kicked off like a bunch of like issues about like breach of contract um mm-hmm. and like freedom of speech and like yeah so Cineclub as a student organization in like 1968 when like there was like student uprisings all across the world i mean they were probably pretty motivated to like uh, prove a point here mm-hmm. um so yeah uh bad films bad film Sad. people just dumping all over uh Onikatsu on or uh, Nikatsu and Suzuki here uh Suzuki uh-huh. eventually su- he sued the studio for like 380,000 yen whatever that would have been in 1968 demanded yeah. uh, he get a letter of apology to the three major newspapers on account that Hori's statements about him gave the impression that all of his films were bad uh, yeah. he then called a press conference of representatives of the Directors Guild of Japan it was like a big thing uh, which Ooh. I think would probably also add to the reputation of Brandy to Kill as being sort of like yeah. a rallying point for like uh, directors uh, I don't know, freedom to make things. But it's like that's it's yeah. a really weird thing, right? Because I mean at the end of the day, directors, if you're making movies for a studio, you're kind of at the behest of the studio to like make a profit and stuff like that. It's like a really strange it's, art form, right? It's uh,
1: it's what Zack Snyder's getting right now. Yeah, I mean he is the modern day
0: Saijun Suzuki, I think.
1: Yeah. No no kidding. But I feel like in time his movies will be more well regarded. But uh, <laughs> these ones have already had forty, that's fifty nice. years to sit and uh
0: Whatever. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's just they're not the film for now. They're just not. For, but I don't know. I think there's people that uh, like these movies a lot. Anyway, he wound up getting blacklisted because uh, this, like, went on for, cool. like, three years. Like, his back and forth and people being sued and... Uh, yeah uh, it was uh, very public in uh, in Japan that's like a big deal when stuff like this gets public cuz you're usually supposed to deal with it privately and discreetly and uh, mm-hmm. anyway nakatsu they wound up just like uh delving into the world of softcore pornography um and and, and they went on uh, which is called a roman pornu um <laughs> A weird thing yeah uh i've got a whole book on this stuff called it's called uh pinku like it's like genre it's a sort thing oh yeah all the all the sick fuck movies that i'm ashamed to have watched like movies of titles like serial rapist they all kind of start coming out of this studio uh for the next decade so i don't know what they're really proud of here um well, yeah
1: well uh all that happened now is that you just told everyone how much of a weirdo you are and uh you know, I'm not. I'm not going to be surprised if they pull our show off SoundCloud tomorrow.
0: Yeah, it's too explicit. Well, you're too explicit, baby. Yeah, too hot for podcast radio. <laughs> too hot to handle. Yeah. Oh yes, yeah, so yeah, yeah. Blind Beast from 1969 is uh, a great film. People should watch that instead. Uh, Horrors of malformed men, also uh, a great number. Uh, mm-hmm. The woman who wanted to die. All these great, great titles. Uh, the Face of Another, Woman in the Dunes, all good. All um, good stuff. Yeah. I don't know. They're not gangster movies per se, but I don't know. They have that same spirit. Mm-hmm. Uh, anywho, uh, RJ, who hates these movies? Us, <laughs> uh, I guess. <laughs> I don't. I, I would never say I hate them. I just would be like, No. I don't know, and I I should—I should should also throw out that uh, our viewing of the Tokyo Drifter Blu-ray was courtesy of friend of the show Lawrence, who donated (gasps) his copy because I only had a old version of the DVD that I got from Blockbuster. Mm -hmm. Um, So we got to watch—we got to watch uh, HD versions of uh, or HD version of uh, Tokyo Drifter this week because of him. Big L, huh? If he's a friend of the show, which I know he is, how come he never writes in?
1: Uh, Come on, Lawrence. Where's that Frank guy who wrote in one time? Where are you
0: people? <laughs> these these people, these freaks. Yeah, where are you? Come on, yeah. get in, get back into it. Anyways, sorry. Keep Anyways, going. so uh, who hated Brandy to Kill? Uh, Sarah gave this half a star. Uh, Good actually, job, Sarah. <laughs> from 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 just a, I, I, just over a year ago. Completely yeah. awful. I thought we were all dying for sure because everyone was falling asleep. And oh my god, I can't believe I wasted my life on this. Ugh. <laughs>
1: Wicked. Uh, That's a good review.
0: Emily, uh, she gave this one star. She begins her review, ugh. (laughs) Mostly just dudes shooting each other and beating up ladies. Also boring and confusing (laughs) for the first half. Second half was just waiting for the main guy to die, boringly. These are all pretty accurate reviews. Matt gave this two stars. I like the idea of this film more than the actual finished product. It looks incredible and is very well made, but the meandering plot left me feeling unsatisfied and frankly bored. It's what they say about me. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh,
0: Who hated Tokyo Drifter? Uh, I have one guy here I picked on because he had a cool username called The Movie Vampire, and he uses a uh, a, Nosferatu for his um, avatar. The actual Nosferatu or Joe Hill's Nosferatu? Um,
1: The, oh, God, Klaus Kinski.
2: Okay, Klaus
1: Kinski or Werner Herzog's uh, Willem Dafoe's Nosferatu? Uh
0: As a longtime enthusiast of the Criterion Collection, I've spent a great deal of time looking through the esteemed distributor's nice. catalog and two of their discs that always jumped out at me were Sajin Suzuki's Branded to Kill and Tokyo Drifter. Why did these films jump out at me? Because the cover art of their original release was truly awesome, pop art at its finest. When it's come to actually watching the movies, well, that hasn't been such a great experience. I think I watched about 20 minutes of Branded to Kill once and ended up sort of casually turning it off and thinking eh, I'm not feeling this. Maybe I'll give it another chance someday. Seeing its mm-hmm. companion film, Tokyo Drifter, I'm reminded exactly why I wasn't too thrilled to keep going the last time I gave Suzuki a chance. Seijun Suzuki was known to have had a lot of quarrels with the studio over the years because they felt his films were incomprehensible. And frankly, I don't blame them. Suzuki is a filmmaker that seems generally more interested in energy and audacity than traditional storytelling, or any other kind of storytelling for that matter. He's sort of a punk rock filmmaker. I'd probably have a lot more respect for that if I thought that his visuals were as interesting as he thinks they are the film is consistently odd but not memorably odd the action scenes were messy but not transcendently messy the story was generally muddled and not in an intelligent way and as far as sheer japanese craziness goes i've seen crazier what we're left with is just a mess of a movie that i never even made any kind of connection to this isn't the kind of movie i want to watch this is the kind of movie i want quentin tarantino to see and then turn into something that's actually watchable (laughs) shit i'm giving this movie a low score but i don't necessarily hate it i'm just profoundly indifferent to it i might go so far as to say that it's the oddest movie to bore me and i think that's like yeah pretty good yep that is very good that guy laid it down man we yeah. should get him for the to do yeah. this show but yeah you're welcome aboard the movie vampire that that reviews from like four years like, like god almost five years ago maybe he well, maybe movie vampire's dead
1: Maybe, maybe he, uh, maybe he's president of the United States. Nobody hmm. knows.
0: I don't know. Nobody knows. Well, any last thoughts before we leave Seijun Suzuki for now? We've got Fuck more no. of his movies to see one day down the road. Maybe I'm not be... looking forward to it. Yeah, he's the new Fellini. No. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no. Uh, I don't want to watch either of their movies
0: oh, ever again. Well, so, uh sooner than later. Mofre. I'll watch eight and a half again. Yeah. Well, you'll but be, watching, you be know, you'll, you'll, not you'll, watching. Oh shit. Well, that's, <laughs> that's down the road. Well, uh, Hey folks, we're done. Uh, after the break, uh, we're going to go get blacklisted by our studio for the next decade.
1: That might happen though. Uh-huh.
2: Tired of staring the
0: RJ, do you have a cool pair of sunglasses?
1: No, I don't. I bought mine at Superstore, no. the Royal Canadian Superstore. They were $18, and uh, you know what? They're comfortable, and they're practical.
0: Well, that's not very cool at all. <laughs> no, but I mean, <laughs> but they do the job. Yeah. Yeah, you'll do the job. You can email us at criterioncreeps at gmail.com. Come on, Where folks. are you? We've got a Facebook page. We're on Instagram. We're on Letterbox. I'm Jared Duncan. He's Loaf. Uh huh. SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, all your favorite podcast apparatus. We're on there. You should follow us. You should listen to us because you are listening mm-hmm. to us right now. Keep doing that. Uh, but you should also Stick. rate us. I've been seeing a real dearth in our ratings, like none. Come on, show us some love. Get us some. We gotta get ahead of the Criterionist. That motherfucker hasn't produced a show in like years. He's a piece of shit.
1: He's a piece of shit. You we, know we we what? Gotta I overtake think we, him. we only have like
0: three reviews. And who are these And like, I'm pretty
1: sure two of those are me. So. Yeah. That's come nice. on. If you like the show,
2: come on and rate us, man.
0: Show us the love. Come on. <sighs> Next week. Oh, fuck. RJ, it's spine number 40. And what a yes! fucking spine. It'll be our third. 33rd episode one third of the way to episode 100 and i wouldn't want to spend it any other way than watching a michael bay movie that's right fucking folks right probably one of the most ill-regarded most controversial mind-boggling entries in the criterion collection armageddon from 1998 I'm so fucking jacked man let me tell you yeah. <laughs> that's it i haven't seen that since uh theater uh so Oh you're ripe for a review. Twenty almost twenty years, man. Ooh shit. You know who's in that movie? <laughs> uh <laughs>
1: Actors? Actors man. And it it's it's jo- wicked. John McClain? Spoiler alert, I think Armageddon rules, so uh get ready, baby. Fuck off.
0: <sighs> well, I hope that you don't want to miss a thing. Um Ooh, shit. <laughs> i will be missing i will be wishing to miss a thing
1: you're a bad person armageddon's awesome Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) good night folks
2: yeah